right, well, kia ora. Welcome to the second episode of Fill Me In. I'm here with uh, my man Rich, who is another one of the pastors at Redeemer. Uh, we call him uh, Handsome Rich. He's definitely the handsome one uh, out of the crew, and he gets up to well, quite a bit of things, I'd say. Real estate mogul on the side, and um, used to be a school teacher, I believe, as well. Uh, so we've got a bit of that in common. So heaps to talk about there, but. I'm really stoked to get you on, man. I was just talking to uh, Oliver yesterday, and he was around here, and he was saying, uh, you know, talking about this podcast, talking about some of the things that would be cool to do with it, and he was saying, you've got to get Rich on, man. His story is amazing. It would be cool (laughs) to get him on. And I was thinking, like, I feel like I've been a terrible friend to some degree because I feel like we've talked about a lot of things. We talk about heaps, but in terms of, like, your actual story... um, I, I don't really know exactly how all that stuff panned out. I was I was watching a, uh, a reel a couple of weeks ago, and this woman was having a go at men, um, sort of in a lighthearted way, saying like, "What do you guys talk about when you're together?" Because like you never know what's going on in each other's <laughs> worlds. And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling that a little bit now." So um, yeah, I, I, man, I'm just I'm keen to unpack the story beyond I know. Um, I know that we both love Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, and The Infinite Sadness. Yeah, I know uh, The Killer's Hot Fuss mm-hmm. is somewhere in there. And I know you're a Christian now, and I know what we do together, but um, there's, there's a lot more to be said. So maybe just tell us a bit about yourself now, and, and where, you, where your Christian life is at at the moment. Yeah. Thanks, Phil. Uh, massive honor to be on Fill Me In, second <laughs> episode, first guest, so that's huge. It is. I would say that the easiest way to, to summarize myself, I think, would be um, I'm a 39-year-old 30 man, mm-hmm. um, married to Katie. We've been married for um, 11 years now, 11 and a half years. Um, we have two children, Lily, who is nine, Hugh, who is six, and we've been living in Tauranga for coming up 10 years. Mm. Um, we moved down here just before Lily was born. And we found Redeemer Church in the first couple of months of it being in existence, public worship. And our pastor from Auckland, who we were, Katie and I were living before we moved down, he had met Anthony at a church planting conference, uh, maybe in the, in the couple of years leading up to Redeemer being born. And he said to us, hey, you should check out this church. This guy is legit. And uh, we turned up and there were like six people there, and, um, plus the Campbells. So right. maybe... 10 uh, Ada wasn't born then so right. uh, and he preached you know he preached a banger and yeah. um, I was sold um, we'd just done the church planting thing in Auckland which was um, it was full on yeah. it was really hard um, so there was a little bit of hesitancy being new parents wanting to go into another church plant but you know we, we couldn't look any further than um, Anthony and, and Redeemer and um, yeah we're, we're super blessed to still be a part of the church um, I've been an elder now since 2017 yeah. so I guess um, using my fingers to count that's around seven years yeah um, uh, six years sorry <laughs> it seems it's we're another as a teacher's anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it, it's been an amazing journey and um, so in terms of where I'm at now um, similar to when I became an elder I mean um, there's been a a few theological shifts but to summarize my um, theology uh, I would say I'm a, I'm a Calvinist um, and had, have come out of that Reformed Presbyterian um, church which had been basically my grounding since I became a Christian since I start to be, started to be churched in my teens right. and 
um, my first departure from the Reformed Presbyterian denomination was to Redeemer because it's non-confessional church right. and um, would lean to the Baptistic, um, yeah. uh, credo-Baptist position on baptism. So that was a bit of a departure, but it, it allowed me some space to actually work out what I thought about um, baptism, about that sacrament and how that should be administered and, um, and to whom. Yeah. So that's been really good too, um, to be... Um, able to explore that a little bit more and I guess where the rubber hits the road when you're um, is around baptism is when you become a parent for sure and you've got some Absolutely. decisions to make uh, yeah it's all elementary until you have kids yeah. and, and and then you work out are we going to sprinkle these kids yeah. or are we going to wait until they're professing and then we dunk them right so yeah that 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 has been one of the biggest shifts I think so I would now call myself a credo baptist um, in terms of um, believers baptism mm. that's that's how I see the best expression of um, baptism in the scripture and the new testament yeah and but i still really really appreciate and respect and we've talked about this a number of times um the the pater baptist position For i sure. think it's really beautiful totally. and i can see um where that argument has its origins in scripture it's just not compelling enough for me to to be in that totally. space yeah. so look that's a little bit about me um yeah yeah, awesome. How does that sound? Well, yeah, no, that's great. And so, I mean, that that sounds like a huge shift, and it, that's a, that's a fun conversation, maybe for another time to go into sort of how that transition happened. But we're we're talking about an even bigger shift mm. uh, that's that's happened in, in your life. And so, as I say, um, I, I know the current you. <laughs> I, I serve alongside you, and it's been it's been awesome, man. Just, I mean, just the blessing of for example for me being in some pastoral situations with you counseling situations and just watching you um, work your magic in there it's just been amazing you're, you're really gifted in that way and, and you're such an asset to to where we're at and what we're what we're trying to do um, but that hasn't always been where you're at I mean like everyone you you weren't born a Christian um, but you you weren't raised Christian um, you weren't taught Christian uh, Christianity in your childhood or anything like that so could you maybe take us back to um, your upbringing your childhood um, what, what was that like mm. and in terms of this stuff yeah so I uh, yeah as you as you say I, I was not born a Christian or into a Christian home so um, up until I was 10, we actually lived um, close to a place called Helensville, north of Auckland, and had literally no exposure in my first 10 years right. of my life to the Bible, to Christianity. So while we were living there, um, my my mother was a member of the Baha'i Faith, okay. which is a um, kind of a universalist, uh, it's a world religion, universalist in, in terms of how um, who it incorporates into. Right. Um, uh, the, the faith and um, would yeah would have more of a universalist feel in terms of um, who um, yeah who's in who's out, I guess. Um, it's a terrible summary, but it's been a long time since I've been in the Baha'i faith. Sure. Um, but essentially, um, was raised in that community um, with my mother. My father has is probably would would classify himself as an agnostic. Okay. And um, and hasn't really shifted from that. Um, my mother is um, when when we moved down to the Catlins, we moved from one end of the country to the yeah, other. When I was ten, and um, you know everything changed. The climate changed. My friend group changed. Um, the Baha'i faith community wasn't there, so that changed. Yeah. And then um, uh, the Catlins is is sometimes kind of 
jokingly referred to as the Bible Belt of New Zealand. So all of a sudden, this I was getting all this Bible <laughs> um, coming at me left, right, and centre from um, all my friends because they were literally all in Christian families. And there's a there's a funny um, saying in in that part of the country: you're either a knee bender or an elbow bender. So if you're a knee bender, you're a churchgoer. Yeah. You, you're bending the knee on Sunday, and if you're an elbow bender, you're a drunk. Um, which is, you know, an exaggeration, but you either like to drink or you like to go to church. Um, My those, mum's from the Catholic, so I'll have to ask you which one, those are the which two one family was. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, we, we sort of landed, when I was 10, we landed in this little sleepy part of the country and, yeah, very, lots of very faithful families mm. there, um, <clears throat> very active church, churches uh, in the area. And all my friends were basically in the, um, in the, in the local Presbyterian church and, um, you know, did the normal, you know, go and stay at their place in the weekend and go to church with them and right. go to Easter camp with them and then go to a Christmas conference with them right. because they were all doing it. And, you know, they were, they were good friends. Some of them still are good friends. And, um, we were doing life together and it was just, it became normal to me very, very quickly. Um, however, it was, it was something that I was comfortable with. I, I participated in, but for me, it wasn't it wasn't really a thing because my family was still where they were, sure. um, and my identity was still more with them than with um, what my friends and their families believed. Mm. Yeah. T- tell me a little bit more about before you moved down to the Catlins. So, like, had you you mentioned like you know you hadn't come across it? Like, was there any inkling of like you'd heard of it or heard any like vague claims of Christ or anything like that? The only thing would be that my mother. Because she she would say that she was a Christian at one point in right. her life, probably in her early twenties or late teens. Okay. Um, because I actually m- both sides of my family have very strong Christian heritage. It kind of stopped at my parents' generation. Wow. Um, but my my great grandfather, my my nana's father, was a Scottish Presbyterian minister who came out from Scotland yeah. to, to literally um, serve in the Presbyterian Church in Herbert, which right. is just north of Dunedin. And then my my nana lived her whole life um, between Herbert and Dunedin. Right. So there's been, you know, only, only a few generations back, there's right. been very strong ties into the Presbyterian Church. So you're picking it back up again. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. I skipped a few generations, and I'm hope, ho- I'm, I'm really hopeful that that changes. You know, yeah. I'm, I, I want my parents to believe in Jesus, but uh, at the moment, they don't. So, yeah, that's it, it is interesting, the heritage that, that has come down through the generations to me. Um, but yeah, really she had a Bible and, um, I would pick it up. It was one of those old ones with a, with a zip around it. So it was like a reading Bible. It wasn't a study Bible or anything like that. So it just had the words and it had the red letters and stuff. And I was kind of intrigued by it, but it was basically just described to me as kind of one way to God. Mm. Christianity was was one way, but my mother and her, you know, late teens, early Mm. twenties, she would she would describe it to me like she basically she was a christian for a time but then she found some things she didn't like and she kind of moved beyond right. it yeah you know, as as if it was kind of a stage of faith and you then you mature and then you move past christianity onto something more enlightened I right guess you could say. yeah okay so you're you're coming at this from i guess quite a different angle than a lot of kiwis would as well because i think you know particularly in my generation a lot of people grow up completely secular you know um would would it, deny that there could be any supernatural type thing the you know that miracles could be a thing whereas mm. i guess that wouldn't be where you guys were at you would be fine with a lot of that kind of thing yeah 
yeah at the time yeah yeah and, and again my mum's had more shifts sure. since then so now she would be she would she would be more much more materialist sure until in, in terms of how she views the world and i think my dad is probably more that way but also senses okay. something yeah so he wouldn't say i'm an atheist he'd say I'm, I'm i'm an agnostic there could be something yeah not sure what that is yeah. so 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 you end up down in the catlins and was there a particular town in the catlins i don't really get how it works like is the catlins a, a region yeah, my mum would be it's a shaking small, her head right now <laughs> it's basically a small region which kind of it's right on the border between southland and otago so some would call it south otago some would call it yeah. southland um, but essentially there's a couple of towns in there of note one being owaka um waka being a canoe so land of the canoes right so we settled probably 15 minutes on a farm 15 minutes um inland from owaka and rode the bus into the area local right. area school every morning and yeah did my whole basically my whole schooling from the age of 10 which is intermediate right sure. through till the end of high school yeah um, a lot of kids go up to Dunedin to boarding schools, but um, me and all of my friends, we just all missioned it through um, together. So I had some pretty deep friendships after, yeah. you know, being in the same class of about 15 to 20 kids with the same guys all, all the way through yeah. from ages 10 to 17. Right. And and so a good amount of them being believers. Yeah. And still are. Yeah. Dude, that, that's so cool. Like, uh, I, I love hearing stories like that where there's consistency. Um, right the way through. So you pronounce it Owaka, okay? Because my mum pronounced it like a, a Southlander. Owaka. 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 <laughs> and so her nickname in our family uh, is Shirl from Owaka. That's yeah. It. That's what we call it. So that's, that's crazy. Like the only other person I've known uh, from that region and was just, I was cracking up the first time you said that you'd spent a bunch of time down there. I was like, oh my goodness, my mum's talked about this <laughs> our whole childhood. So, um, <laughs> so th- that's great. Okay, so um, talk to me about, I guess... Do, do you remember what it was like when they're all these guys presumably share that common Christianity and they're talking about Christian things, uh, things that Christians believe, uh, things from a Christian worldview, mm. participating in the Christian life. Do you remember how that sort of, you know, first came across your path and how you first sort of found that and, and encountered that? Well, so many things were different when mm. we moved into the, the Catlins. So, you know, the weather was different. Um, the way people talked were different. I got teased on the first day of school because I didn't roll my R's. <laughs> um, and I was clearly, like, I was I was a bit of an outsider. So, um, being... I, guess, I know, yeah, I was this weird North Islander. Uh, I guess conforming to a new culture, a new um, part of the country, a new subculture, I guess you could say, within New Zealand, um, I... I guess it, it it was like this part of the country is different and I was immersed in the Catlins and the Christian aspect it was almost like what a in a in a weird way what we anticipate heaven to be everyone's Christian right and it's not just um it, it's just it, it's an innate part of just being human is right. to be Christian and that's that's kind of how I felt found it initially it right. wasn't so explicit explicit it was just the way that people lived yeah and they weren't saying we do this because we are Christians they were just living Christian lives right. doing Christian things yeah. and yep you know if you go to church you'll hear a sermon if you go to Easter camp you'll hear a you yeah. know you'll you'll hear um, one of the gospels um, exposited which was great but um, it was just a, a Christian place to live people were generally very honorable very hard working right. and and lived very well not to say that they didn't where we used to live 
but um, it was not so explicit as sure. what I'm trying to say when, when I first got there, apart from if I ever went to church, but I just found that um, I was really attracted to just the way that they lived. They yeah. were very generous, they were very welcoming, very non-judgmental, yeah. um, and, and really wanted to get to know us, awesome. our family. So, um, yeah, it was, it was really, it was really beautiful. Like my taste, my first taste of Christianity in terms of a culture was very positive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, kudos to them. That's awesome when it goes that way. And, um, you know, there are some people that don't have that story of encountering it that way, but it's, it's awesome when you do. I can hear, you know, my, my post-millennial friends mouths watering at the idea of this Christian society, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) packing their bags, (laughs) moving down to the Catlins. That's, that's amazing. Okay. So, um, so was it somewhere in that part of your life where you first believed in Jesus and you first called on him to save you or was that later? It was, it was kind of right, be- right before I went off to university. Okay. So Tell me I, about that. I guess uh, looking back on it now, I would say that God definitely was working on me right from the moment that we, we set foot in that place. Yeah. And I had heard the gospel a number of times, mostly at Easter camps. I think I was, to be honest, the Presbyterian church that I went to when I was with my friends, it was cold and it was, it was a bit boring. It was, it was was some, I think it was probably a little bit, um, stale for me to really get into. Yeah. But Easter camp was all about preaching the gospel to these kids. Yeah. So it was very relevant. It was very passionate preaching. And, um, I remember it was probably when I was 15 um, a guy called Alf Bradfield, um, he preached um, some sermons on the Gospel of John yeah. um, around the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus and what that actually meant for us. And he was really unpacking it. He was really trying hard to make it That's awesome. Um, just th- that we could wrap our heads around yeah. it. Yep, this stuff happened, but what does it actually mean for us? Yeah. What does it mean for us um, in, you know, being like late 1990s? Yeah. Um, these teenage kids in the Catlins. What does it actually mean for us in that day? So that was the first time I really felt compelled that this could be something that I would personally believe in, yeah. rather than it be rather than it be something that my friends and their families were um, just practicing because that's what they did. Right. But could it be something for me? Could it be something to, that would actually guide and define me? Yeah. Like that was kind of the first time that it happened. And from there, I think my friends were more encouraging of me to actually go, is this something I believe? Yeah. And it was at the start of my seventh form year, I was quite young for my year, so I was probably 16. And we'd been to a Christmas conference and I guess all year on year, the ones who were taking it seriously and calling themselves Christians were, were just becoming easier to recognize. And the ones that were kind of in Christian homes, but they were rebelling or right. weren't owning it themselves. I guess you could say that there was a, a growing dichotomy sure. yeah. and um, uh, you could see who, who was in and who was out, I guess, or who was professing and who was rejecting. Right. So that was becoming clearer. And one of my friends, um, uh, old friend of mine from Christchurch, but she was in the Grace um, Church up there. She came down and she was there with me at Christmas conference. And then afterwards she was like, so where are you at? Right. What are you actually believing? Is yeah. this something that's real for you or is it just something that you're just happy to come along and right. listen and, and join in, but then just go back and yeah. not own it yourself? And that was really her, or oh God, saying, you know, yeah. you've heard the gospel, you understand it well enough. Yeah. Um, 
what do you actually believe? Yeah. Do you think this is true? Or do you think it's just something that some people believe? But Right. But you can take it or leave it. Yeah. So that prompted me to really awesome. consider myself. And then through that year, I, I really did go, yep, I, I am a Christian. I believe the gospel. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. Um, and the only way to him is, is faith, faith in him. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then, yeah, probably arrived at that some point, sometime during the year, um, started reading the Bible for myself. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I couldn't identify a point. Yeah. But, but if anybody asked me during that year, I would have said, yeah, I'm a Christian. That's amazing, man. How'd you find first reading the Bible? Confusing. Okay. Um, because I was reading at home um, without any real help. Um, so I, I read the New Testament um, cover to cover and was really confused by a lot of stuff. Sure. Um, it was probably... So, you know, skipping forward into my first year at university, yeah. I was incredibly blessed by um, some 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 Christian guys from Campus Outreach who would come out from um, the States to yeah. minister in Christchurch. The Lord led me to Christchurch. Okay. Um, not super spiritual reason. It was for a girl. Right. Okay. Um, I also, I wanted to get out of the Catlins and, and meet some new people. <laughs> All of my friends were going to Otago University. So I was like, I want to go to Canterbury. I want okay. to meet some new people. Sure. I, I was probably a, maybe a little bit more aware of how small the Catlins was. Right. Because I, yeah, I hadn't yeah. lived my whole life. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I really wanted to meet some new people. Um, and there was this girl who was in, in Christchurch as well. Sure. So went up there started university in March and immediately uh, the Grace Church and Christ Church became my home church. Yeah. Um, EPC it was called, Evangelical Presbyterian Church. Okay. And in this church were these four guys with their families who were in there probably, they seemed ancient to me, but they were like early 30s. <laughs> uh, it's still old for me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they had families, they had wives and they'd come out basically to, to do campus ministry right. on, the, on the University of Canterbury's campus and preach the gospel and help disciple young guys and girls who were um, either new in the faith yeah. or were just transitioning from the home, you know, coming out of the nest, mm. basically, out of their homes and into university, which is an incredibly testing time for a young Christian. Yeah. Regardless sure. of how much you know, it's an incredibly tough time. So I was especially blessed by a guy called um, Neil Vinson mm -hmm. and Neil... Um, might get a bit emotional here. <laughs> he passed away a couple of years ago. Sure. So, so Neil, that, Neil was an incredible guy because he, he just latched onto me. Mm. Um, at a time where I, I had no real grounding in terms of, um, I hadn't been taught. Right. Um, and I had been to church, you know, a bunch of times, but it was only when I was staying with my friends. So my grounding was very shallow. Yeah. My faith was very shallow. But I was coming into a, a, a very vulnerable time because a university is incredibly full on in terms of the social and the academic side of things. Right. And he recognized that in me. Um, he loved me. Um, he spent a lot of time with me. Mm -hmm. We went to the gym together. We hung out together. He invited me around to um, be with his family a lot. Oh. And he taught me the, the Bible. That's awesome. He taught man. me how to, how to read it, how to study it, how to understand it. And... Like at the time, you just do not understand how much of a sacrifice that is for a guy with a young family to do, right? And how much you will need that, um, you know, 
I guess that investment in yeah. you, you you have no idea at the time. You're like, oh, this is cool. This guy keeps on like trying to hang out with me yeah. and go to the gym with me totally. and, and spend time with me, teach me the Bible. Yeah. That's cool. But man, that that has yeah. If there That's is one true. one person that I would say he he is the guy. Yeah. He's the guy. I always I'm always so thankful to God for because what he what he did for me was was huge, massive yeah. sacrifice for him. But it's what he wanted to do for sure. So that that was a huge turning point for me because man, who knows what what, what could have become of me right? if, if someone like Neil hadn't seen this is a young guy. He doesn't re- he's a Christian, but he doesn't really know anything. I need to teach him. I need to show him how a Christian lives because I hadn't had that example at home either. So I was incredibly grateful yeah. and still am incredibly grateful for Neil. Um, and thankfully he actually came, he went back to the States, um, during the time I was, or just coming to the end of the time I was at university, but he is actually, he came back to the state, uh, to New Zealand and actually was, um, ministering up in Auckland in one of the grace churches up there, right, right up until when he, <clears throat> when he got his cancer diagnosis mm. and then they had to go back to the States, yeah. um, in 2021, I think it was. So I got to see him a bunch of times and wow. it was really amazing. That's cool. And I think. We never got to say goodbye properly, yeah. um, which was which is heartbreaking. But yeah. um, he, I could tell that he was really stoked to see that I was an elder in a church yeah. and still a Christian. I have a, you know, and and leading my family well. And he, I think for him, those kind of things made everything worth it because yeah. you know that you're the you know the work yeah. that you've done, the sacrifices you've made. Yeah. Um, uh, are fruitful for sure and, and god is faithful yeah I, th- I think it is totally one of those things though like as a young or an older te- uh, teenager or a guy in your early 20s like you don't probably fully understand what an investment from someone in that season of life is no. because I-, I think you're not tied down as much so you know what the shape of your day will be is pretty flexible yeah i'll do this today whatever i can do that um yeah sure i'll disciple a guy whatever mm. whereas like when you when you've got all these commitments down the track it's you're, you're not doing it by accident like you're, you're doing it deliberately and i think that's a really cool thing you know for people potentially listening that are in that season of life going okay well um what what could you be doing in terms of that and and if you are doing stuff yeah what impact could that have mm. down the track it's, i mean nothing's static hey? everything's always on the move and, yeah. and new generations are coming and, and it's good to keep that in mind that, that that must have been some pretty awesome times for you to connect um, oh, later on yeah yeah it was it That's was really special. cool honestly um you know i wish that i had connected more with neil yeah. asked him more questions caught up with him more talked to him more on the phone but i'm just grateful for the opportunities we did have to connect yeah um, all those years later when you know i i moved up to auckland mm. um started my career up there he moved back to the states with his family and um you know, our, our lives, you know, just as always happens, we were, we were together, we were seeing each other really regularly. Then all of a sudden our lives moved in different directions, mm. but we got to, you know, we got to hang out yeah. at a later, later date. So that, that was really, <clears throat> it was a, man, it was a huge blessing. That's very, very cool. That's, that's very cool. So, I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, you got to connect and he, he could see sort of where, from where you've come and what you are up to later on in life. So, so talk to me a bit about that. I mean, um, it's awesome when people become Christians, uh, but not everyone goes from that to then thinking about, okay, church leadership and how can I contribute to the body of Christ right. in that way? So how, how did that come about for you? Well, most honestly, um, I saw there to be a need. Okay. I saw there to be a need. And it, it kind of, the seed was planted when I was um, working at the church plant in 
Auckland. Okay. So that was City Presbyterian Church. So a guy called Travis Scott, who was the one who met Anthony at the church planning conference. Right. So Travis came out of seminary and he was like, right, I, I want to plant a church. And he felt like there was an opportunity in New Zealand and um, with the, the grace denomination. So he came out. Um, this is obviously, you know, a very long period of time condensed into yeah, a couple sure. of sentences. But basically he came out with Brooke, his wife. Um, they had their first daughter, Sophia, with them. Mm. Um, they had two more kids while they were in New Zealand. And they planted the church that Katie and I, um, I, I basically committed to it. I, I heard him preach on a, on a Sunday at a church in um, South Auckland, one of the Grace churches. And I was like, I'm just sitting in this big church. I'm not serving. I'm not, I'm not really doing anything. I'm yeah. just this, this consumeristic 20 uh, okay. something year old Christian. And this guy is talking about a new work that's going to happen in the city. I was living in the city, yeah. but I was commuting out to South Auckland to go to church. Okay. And I was like, wow, this guy is a guy I can follow. And this guy is doing something that I really want to be a part of. Sure. So I emailed him straight away. Cool. He was heading back to the States to raise their final bit of support. And he was going to come back six or eight months later and, and basically plant the church. Maybe it was a year. Sure. But I, I literally emailed him straight away. And I said, hey, man, heard you at church today. I'm in. Cool. I didn't know anything about what it was. That's other than awesome. church plant. I love it. And I was like, I'm in. Um, and yeah, he was like, he, he really appreciated that. So I was basically part of the core team when he came back. And, and Travis was... You know, he, again, he's been huge for me. Right. Um, he, uh, he, he was an incredibly hard worker, incredibly gifted preacher, and he's, you know, he's, he's a great author as well. He's written a book on um, uh, Habakkuk. Cool. Um, so he, he is, yeah, he's an awesome guy. I have a mad amount of respect for Travis. So he came back. We planted, or well, he planted the church. I, I helped. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you don't, you, there's, there's got to be labor, laborers. Um, there have, has to be people who will go, yep, I want to be a part of that. Uh, you're planting a church, cool. Yep, I want to jump in. And we're seeing that now with the Redeemer Church plant. There's, there's people who are, you know, they're really valuable members of um, of Redeemer. But um, with the church plant that we're about to, to do in Papamoa, yeah. they're like, wow, that's cool. That's exciting. I want to be a part of that. So again, um, people are just going from a, a place of potentially being a bit more comfortable and putting themselves out there and saying, Hey, I want to be a part of that. I'm, I'm willing to labor for that. Um, and whatever it looks like I'm in. Yeah. So that's kind of how I fell into that. And Travis did want to raise up, you know, leaders into the church and, yeah. and, and I was on an eldership pathway, but when, um, Katie got pregnant and we decided that the best place for us to be, to raise a family would be here because of Katie's parents being here. We, we left kind of abruptly, and I think that was hard for Travis, but it was also hard for me because I, I was looking forward right. to being an elder in that church. That's but, hard, man. Um, came down here and, and, yeah, became a dad, but within within a f- six months of being a Redeemer, I was talking to Anthony about eldership because I, I felt like I, I was called to be an elder. Um, yeah. I didn't particularly, looking at the qualifications for eldership, feel I was <laughs> nailing all of those things. Um, I certainly, you know, still look at the qualifications for eldership and think that's a, that's a very high calling for sure but i felt like yep i have some understanding i have some abilities and i have willingness so i'm sure god can use that sure and that's still my approach yep. today um and yeah so felt very compelled to basically put myself forward you see the you see the load that the the main guys carrying so travis yeah. and anthony i saw the load that they were carrying and i was like i want to help sure yeah you can't just 
you can't just help one day and not the next. Right. You need to be consistent in your helping. Yeah. And and the best way for me to feel like I could contribute in that way was to become yeah. an elder um, and to share that burden um, with him. So, dude, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. And it's so something that I, I pray for. You know, when when Jesus says the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few, um, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into the harvest. It, and and that's what you need. You know, you you need a church constantly to be having people that are seeing that need, seeing how could I fill that, and trying to. Um, you know, if, if there's clear discrepancies between the qualities in, say, First Timothy three and and themselves, then sort of working on some of those things. But if you if you feel that call, like, like it's it's a it's an honourable thing, Paul yeah. says, and and it is it is really amazing. Um, I've I've talked to a lot of people over the years who, um, will talk about positive church experiences they've had, and one thing they'll mention is being in a church context where there are a number of elders, and mm. and a number of elders aren't full time. Um, you know they're, they're working elsewhere but they're heavily invested in, in the church and it just mm. contributes so much to the life and, and the feel of it you know um, it's very cool man it's very cool mm. so your, your friends from the Catlins that, that you mentioned you still know yeah. how's how's it seeing them now when you do I mean or, or catching up with them is that is that pretty surreal that you're a believer down the track all these years man like I haven't seen any of them for, for quite some time okay. um, I connected with a bunch of them around the time of Neil's passing because they all knew Neil. Right. Um, but, you know, aside from keeping tabs on them on social media, I haven't seen any of them yeah. for a long time. They're, they're pretty much all on the South Island apart from Johnny who's in um, New Plymouth. Okay. But, um, haven't really had a chance to like, now that we've become dads yeah. um, and, and our, our lives have changed so much, then haven't really had a chance to connect Totally. in person physically and just reflect on that totally looking forward to that um, cool. I'm sure it'll happen on this side of eternity but um, yeah but if <laughs> it doesn't it'll still be a good shit <laughs> yeah yeah cool man um, that, that's been amazing so uh, maybe just a different direction to take the conversation in a bit so we've talked about some things that have been really awesome along the way are there things looking back on your years since becoming a Christian where you go ah I wish I'd known that or I wish I'd done that differently. I always have regrets about probably not being as forthright as I could be. Okay. Because no one I've ever shared the gospel with has ever disowned me. Okay. Or rejected me. Not that I was close to anyway. Yeah. Sometimes I think you can be able tiptoe around things a lot when someone really means a lot to you. Yeah. And you really don't want to burn them right because there is always a risk of that um so i i guess i would say i, I wish that i'd been more forthright but at the same time i think potentially with some of my family members i am probably because you know you're, you're most comfortable with your family sure probably have made some of them a little bit weary of me in, in some ways too and probably have not done the best job of articulating yeah. my beliefs and my faith and um yeah i think when you when you present the gospel to someone i guess they hear what they hear and probably have been a little bit more on the judgment side rather than the love side um of things obviously you need both um in any gospel presentation which is faithful so yeah on, on the one hand i probably was not um bold enough and on the other side i was probably a little bit full on I guess yeah, how how to be perfect and um, yeah. evangelizing Phil. For sure. 
<laughs> so, so I've got you. Yeah, yeah I, I guess, um, yeah, those those things would be the main thing. For sure. Um, um, yeah, that, that come to mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah cool. Um, so you mentioned Neil as sort of a key influence in your life and, and someone who's really taken you under his wing and, and taught yeah. you how theology, taught you how to read the Bible, taught you how to live the Christian mm. life. Travis as well, mm. to some degree, sort mm. of seeing mm. his work ethic and the faith. Mm. Are there other people you'd say, you know, this is, a, this is a key influence on me, whether you've met them or perhaps it's, you know, through hearing yeah. their stuff or reading yeah. or whatever? Anthony? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... There are definitely authors, there are definitely Christians out there who have been hugely influential on me, but what I love about the local church mm. is that you get to live life with these people, yeah. you get to see them day in, day out, how they approach certain things, how they deal with pain, yeah. how they deal with um, rejection, how they deal with a huge workload, how they parent their children, how they lead the church with humility, um, and with passion, yeah. um, and with just a rock solid faith, yeah. Because I could say, you know, some people like Matt Chandler, sure. hugely influential as an author, yeah, and as a preacher. But I haven't met Matt, right. and I and I and I don't know what Matt's like outside of, um, you know, his preaching sure. and his books. So there's a stack of guys I could talk about like that, yeah. But in terms of people, like actual people in my life, it's been Neil, it's been Travis, it's been Anthony. And, you know, um, you and Caleb as well, uh, I would say, because we get to do mission together. Yeah. We, we catch up regularly. We talk about the things that are hard and things that are good. We have a, we have a lot of fun. So I would say those, you yeah. guys, you guys basically, mm. um, and my wife. Awesome. Obviously. Um, you know, Katie is, she is not one to offer an opinion quickly. Okay. She is very, um, she is reserved, but when she does say stuff, whether it's just general wisdom or, or theology, she was always bang on and she is just, she's, in a, she's got an incredible way of, um, articulating things, presenting things and just, I guess, just di digesting things, which are, are constantly making me check myself and mm -hmm. what I think. And I think I am a person who can sometimes be too quick to speak. Um, okay. She is the opposite. And I've learned so much from her, just being, from being married to her, just from the way we parent our kids, the way we are as husband and wife. Um, I have like an incredible amount of respect and awe, awesome. and awe for her and her faith, which is incredibly deep. That's very cool, man. That's, that's very cool. Um, I mean, let's talk about the future a little bit. So we've sort of been reflecting on the story so far and up to this moment. Um, what are your hopes for your, your Christian life or, um, you know, your involvement in the church or, you know, thinking long term, like what's, what's Rich's legacy? <laughs> what, do you, what do you want to be known for? What are some things you'd love to accomplish for the Lord uh, with, with your time you got left? Mm. My family, my kids. Like, um, I I would want them to know Jesus, mm -hmm. and want would want would want to have it, them to have a saving faith. Um, you know, their whole lives. I would want them to to enjoy Jesus, their Savior. And um, if if that if that one thing happened, um, I'd be 
absolutely stoked. Awesome. Um, so my, my, my family are my primary mission field. Yeah. Um, I love my kids so incredibly much. But the thing that I, and this is Lily always asked me, you know, um, you know, what if you could have one wish, Dad? And I'm always like that you would know Jesus, that yeah. you would love Jesus. That is my only wish for you. Everything else is superfluous. So, um, yeah, that is that is the thing. That's awesome. Um, beyond that, my my family, like my my, my siblings, um, my parents, um, my remaining grandparents, e- everybody in my family, I would want them to know Jesus. Yeah. Um, that He is good. He is a good savior. Um, and yeah, in, in terms of church, um, I, I would hope to be able to serve um, at Redeemer Church and. <laughs> until I die, I guess. Yeah. I have no plans like to, to do anything or, or be anything else. Um, I want to be a lay elder, a lay pastor for as long as the church will have me. Yeah. Um, and I would, I would hope to be an encouragement. Awesome, dude. That's all. That's great. Hey, j- just one final thing, just thinking about this. There's, there'll be people listening and there's people who have made comments to me about um, one thing that could be good about this kind of podcast is that you're, you're talking to diverse uh, you know, d- diverse kinds of people. Um, not everyone will be full-time pastors. And I think there's a real blessing in that. I think one way that um, certainly people who are full-time like me can uh, be less effective is sort of losing touch with where most people are at. You know, you're, you work hard for sure, but the I guess the kind of work you're doing is just different. And so, um, you know, you're, you're not um, maybe with other people a lot that don't see things the same way as mm. you or spending time on things that maybe aren't directly like building the church or whatever, but, uh, but are important. So, so talk to us a bit about your, your work and, um, how you see that fitting into the Christian life and, and how you understand where that goes. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Good question. Um, I, uh, so I work in commercial real estate, so Essentially, I sell and lease warehouses, is what I do, every day. Um, how I see that work fitting into um, my life as a Christian is that I get to be a Christian in that workplace. Awesome. Um, it, it's an incredible blessing, um, the the number of people and just the, the walks of life of people that I get to interact with on a daily basis. Um, real estate has, um, you know, it's, it's an incredible wealth generator but it also can lose um, people money as well, a lot of money. So I guess my role as a commercial real estate agent is you basically become a trusted advisor for your client and your your integrity, your honesty, um, your, um, yeah, your willingness to work hard for um, sometimes no financial gain for a long time sometimes is integral to your clients gaining trust in you. If you, were, if you were to be a dishonest person in what I do, you will not go very far or for very long, especially in a small town like Tauranga. So things like integrity, um, yeah. honesty um, are incredibly important and very important to your longevity yeah. in a career. So I, I, I've never felt like I've had to compromise on, on any, um, any Christian ethic um, when I go to work every day. That's awesome. Um, there are definitely... There are definitely um, temptations. Um, you know, you can engage in some certain talk with some people just just on a, I guess, on a casual basis, which I, I obviously don't, wouldn't. Um, but um, there are also temptations to idolize um, the money that you can make, and also 
um, yeah, so their financial rewards, but also just making money as a um, as an end as opposed to a, a means. Yeah. Um, so I would say that I have to certainly keep some things in check um, in terms of idolatry. Yeah. Um, and you know, any job can become an idol. Um, but yeah, I love that I get to um, be a, you know a super honest person with integrity in my job. I hope that's how people see me. Um, basically, your your client base is actually quite small. It's people repeat business day after day. Right. So, I've I've dealt with people for almost ten years now, who, you know, we've done maybe dozens of deals. Right. And um, yeah, the the thing that I like about that is that there's a there's a massive level of trust, um, and I guess what would you say? What's the right word? Familiarity that builds sure. up between you two. Um, so I love that. It's mm. very relational. That's awesome. So, and I've had the opportunity to, to, to share the gospel with a number of people I've dealt with as well. And, um, if people are interested in my life, I want to tell them what I do, yeah. um, what I believe. And, um, that's been a huge blessing as well. Cool. Because if you deal with someone for five minutes, it's very hard to share the sure. gospel with them. But if you're, if you're seeing them constantly, um, that, that relationship is a little bit deeper. We know about each other's families. We get to share a little. I get to share a little bit about that, and yeah. and what I believe, and what I do on the weekends. So, Good. all of that stuff is um, a real blessing, and um, I love my job. Not just because I love it, but I love the work. But I get opportunities like that as well. That's so, awesome, dude. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, cheers for coming on, man. This has been great. I realise that you've you know taken time out of your your day to come and do this. Thanks for helping us. I guess break the podcast in and have a have a crack at seeing how this can work and um yeah i, I trust that uh, the conversation's been really interesting to people listening and i mean I've, I've i've really enjoyed hearing what you've had to say and there's been some awesome insights in there so thanks so much for this man i, I genuinely appreciate it. it's been awesome thank you phil